Welcome, my pretties. Come in, have a seat as we sip this tea of reality. My name's Autumn. And I'm Haley. And today we're talking... And today we're talking about the Butcher of Hanover. Party. Party. It is definitely not a party. God damn it. I want it to be a party. Sometime we're going to be a party. You forgot to say, and this is Don't You Know. Oh, and this is Don't You Know. The tale of the Butcher of Hanover. We'll get there. Someday. It's (laughs) all right. We're just going to rap about it right now, because in 1883... Norway exported its most prolific serial killer, Grinhild Paul's daughter, Sorensen. That's the, complicated. It's a Norwegian name. It's not... That was the best I had the first time. That's cool how it's spelled. Yeah. Grinhild Paul's daughter, Sorensen. Though they did not know that at this time, that the young woman would live on to be such a cold-hearted killer. When she was 24, Bernhild would be sent for her by her, by her older sister, Nellie, or Annie. I saw it in two different sources. I don't know if they got the sisters confused or the names, but Nellie, we're going to go with. Nellie sent for her so that she could live in Chicago with her and her husband. Ah, oh, this name. Bernhild, yeah. Bernhild couldn't have been happier to live her frozen and lonely life to leave her frozen and lonely life on the shores of her homeland. Once she was finished with immigration, she Americanized her name to Belle Sorensen. She would go on to work in a butcher shop cutting up carcasses. Belle was a romantic, constantly on the lookout for a husband, and with her high bosom and thick waist, she was quite the eye-catcher to the men of her small Norwegian community. Many a suitor would have loved to call Belle their own, but she had fallen for a strong-built guard of a local department store. They were quickly married and hoped to conceive immediately. Damn, he said, let me bounce that ass real quick. Take this seed. Fucking <laughs> seeds. Belle was in love with the idea of being a mother, but despite the desire to nurture, she would be unable to have children of her own. Lucky for the newlyweds, they were in a financial way to accommodate foster children, reaching out to poor parents in their community to offer food and shelter in exchange for relinquishing their children to them. Dude, how lit's that? That's pretty progressive of them, right? Maybe they shouldn't have been access to it because it doesn't sound like this is going to go great. Ah. Uh, it's not going to go oh, great. Oh, fuck. That's I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. No. No. Fuck. Her dear husband seemed to be a, a stand-up guy. There's not much information on him, but uh, she had married... His name's down here, but it's Mads. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That would be a lit middle name. He has, he has a pretty cool name, too. Maybe I'm just down with the Norwegians. Is that controversial to say? I don't think so. Mm. I don't know many Norwegians, but I'm either. sure they're pretty cool people. Except for Belle, but that's well. neither here nor there. Belle even tried this with her sister, desperate to gain custody of her young niece. But Nellie refused, leaving them to be estranged for several years. Eventually, Belle helped. Eventually, Belle had herself a small menagerie of infants. Being that the infant mortality rate was high, Belle made sure to ensure her children in case of accidental death or injury. What year is this again? She came over in 1884. Or, yeah, in 1883. They were married in 1884. Okay. 
Her foresight proved fruitful, as two of her infants would pass due, due to intestinal inflammation and hydrocephaly. Definitely common. Yeah. Um, with this insurance money, Mads and Belle were able to purchase a candy shop and foster more children. Oh, Even, so they got insurance money for the children dying then. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I had pretty sure I had mentioned that Belle put life insurance policies on the children. Mads had one. There was an insurance policy on their candy shop that they would go on to buy. <laughs> Sometime between purchasing the candy shop and fostering more children, it said that Belle was able to conceive at least one of her own. Now she had three children, a husband, and a dying candy shop. Belle was always said to have been firm but doting, a firm but doting mother, never seen to shout or hit the children, only to rear them with patience and affection. Life could not have been happier, save for the unprofitable candy, save for the unprofitable candy shop. But that was only a, mom, a momentary setback, as one night when Belle was working late, a kerosene lamp exploded, burning the place beyond repair. Though the investigation would yield no such discovery of glass or metal bits, the insurance, co- the insurance company would still settle a payment. Somewhere in this time, Mads was offered a great job by a shell company claiming to want to hire men to find gold mines out west for them. They offered a too-good-to-be-true benefits package, asking only that Mads put up the money for his startup costs. So who could pass up such an opportunity? A cool 20000 is a drop in the bucket of the millions of prof- in profit shares that the company had promised him. Well, we've all fallen for some type of scam before. <laughs> I'll raise my hand. Um, they got me. me. Me but, hard at least yes, three times. Yeah. That, uh, it was a good scam, though. Like, you know, fuck them, but we, we, we've all been there. I we've mean, all... the, the big one, like, the, the biggest yeah, one. Yeah, that was, that, yeah, that one. Anyone would have fallen for it. Yeah. That's very, like, oh, shit. But, like, I definitely transferred people money for animals that I shouldn't have. Yeah. And, uh, what else? I've lost my credit card on numerous amount of times. My credit card's information has gotten stolen. I buy from shady websites all the fucking time. <laughs> and this is why we sign up for really fraud don't. alerts. I actually really don't buy anything really shady. I think the shadiest website I buy from is Timu. Yeah. And that was pretty shady. But, like, I still get my stuff. I mean, 9 out of 10. I haven't had too many disappointing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll buy, like, small stuff. So, but... like I said, we've all fallen for those scams. Mads and Bell were no different. On the day Mads was to report for his year-long career, there was no one there to register him. For two months, Bell and Mads tried to get in contact with his new employer, but there was, it, they weren't able to. Broken in debt, they sued the company and won, but would not regain the money lost due to the shell company being too strained to afford payment. With no other choice, Mads would have to return to his meager pay as a department store guard. This was unacceptable for Bell. Like, I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't playing around with mediocrity either. She was above the mundane middle class life. Now Bell, or now Bell and Lady Luck, now Bell and Lady Luck must have been best girlfriends because, as it would turn out, Mad's life insurance policy uh, that was for two thousand dollars, which obviously is quite a bit of money yeah. in the late eighteen hundreds. There, damn, must have been doing something right. Taking out life insurance policies. She was a very good predictor of when tragedy would strike. Huh. And as I said, Lady Luck and her were best girlfriends because as it would be, 
the policy that was for $2,000 was due to expire. So they had set up to renew a policy or start a new policy for $3,000 to begin the same day. So if he were to die on July 30th, 1900, Belle would be a very wealthy woman. Because mm-hmm. the policies overlap on that day. They overlap. They do. And Belle knew this. And very luck would have it. Lady. Oh, schemey, schemey in the dreamy, dreamy. <laughs> this $5,000 that she would be awarded in the untimely death of her husband would be equivalent to around $150,000 today. Yeah. So, like, not sneezing at that. And as luck would have it, on that very day, July 30th, 1900, Mads would come home with a headache and wish to lay down. His lovely wife would provide him with quinine to alleviate the ache and tuck him into bed. Later, when she went to check on him, she would find that he was no longer breathing. She had the doctor rush over and told him of the unfortunate events. He asked for the envelope of the quinine powder to examine the leftovers, but Belle had already thrown it out. Oh, convenient. Very. Convenient, and he was skeptical, but he had no other choice but to rule the death accidental. Once again, the insurance settled the sum, and Belle was well-to-do. Impressive she wanted. It's, I, it's a good thing that she made sure the policies overlapped on mm-hmm. that day. It's almost as if she knew Mads would die. Huh. Intuition is a girl's best friend. Crazy. Wanting to flee the wake of so much tragedy, Belle would buy a pig farm in LaPorte, Indiana, moving her and her children away from Chicago. A short two years later, after taking out many ads for a husband in the newspaper, Belle would settle for Peter Gunness. They would be married in April 1902. Peter also had an infant daughter that came with him, so of course Belle was excited for another child to love. But just as Lady Luck was Belle's best friend, so was tragedy. Peter's daughter would mysteriously pass a week later while in the care of care of Belle so that Peter could travel for work. All right. That's gross. We did we did say that infant mortality rate was high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But three to one woman? Who knows? Odds are kind of stacking. Death seemed to follow Belle right at the heel. Mm-hmm. As eight months later, in, as eight months into their marriage, tragedy would strike again as Peter reached for a meat grinder that was atop a high shelf. It fell into his head, causing a traumatic brain injury that would, that would lead to his death. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely wasn't standing on that counter at all, was she? No. Definitely wasn't probably, above him. He probably wasn't supporting her, and you know, she definitely didn't just drop it. No, sitting there at the bottom of his feet, nagging him so that he's not paying attention, but it's precariously perched on the edge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So convenient. Definitely. So unlucky in Mm. all of her luck. The coroner could not be convinced that Peter's death was a mere accident, and even convened a coroner's jury, but nothing would become of the case. This one was a little harder for... (laughs) The coroner was like, I'm here an awful lot. Her daughter had also said that Belle was above and dropped the meat grinder on her father's head. Mm. So, out of the mouth of babes, but that's just hearsay. This led to another hefty insurance settlement for Belganis, a woman as greedy and callous as Bluebeard himself. Damn. He was a very callous and murderous pirate. It didn't take long for Belle to move on from mourning. She began placing marriage ads for a new husband. 
One such ad being answered by a farmhand named Henry, Henry Gerholt in 1905. He traveled to the Laporte to meet Bell. It must have been love at first sight because he wrote his family saying that he liked the farm, that he was in good health, and asking that they send him potato seeds. But that was the last they ever heard of him. They contacted Bell, who would tell him that he had abandoned her to go off with horse traders to Chicago. Though later she was found to be in possession of his trunk and fur coat. Never deterred in her romantic efforts, Bell would continue to take out marriage ads and ads for farmhands. And a year later, she would meet John Moe from Minnesota, who would answer Bell, who would answer one of these ads. They had exchanged letters where Bell would encourage him to withdraw a large sum of money in cash, saying not to trust the banks or the wire transfers, but to sew the bills into the lining of his underwear. Thinking with his little John, he did as she requested and traveled to meet her in Laporte. This would be the last anyone ever saw of John. Though a carpenter who was working nearby would accuse Bell of maintaining John's trunk, among others. It did not take long for Bell to be the gossip of the town. Well, no shit. Men she come keeps... to her house and they disappear in the middle of the night. Yeah. She's How not odd. hiding it. It's very not. It, But she's going around town and like, oh, how unfortunate I am that Woe's I always me. find farmhands that leave die. me. I just, I don't understand. I have thick thighs and pretty eyes because she was known to be a handsome woman, you know. Like I said, she, the, the, the men of her community, they liked them thick. She was... She was girthy in the waist, and, and I've got some pictures down below. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a handsome woman. I mean, like, ain't nothing wrong with being thick, but, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm looking at her different because I know she's a fucking serial killer, but, oh, did I drop the bomb on that? Did we all not get that she was killing these people? Well, maybe I let the cat <laughs> out of the bag a little too early. Spoiler alert. Oh Did we give gosh. a trigger warning? We didn't give a trigger warning in the uh, trigger I have, warning. I have one saved for me. Oh, okay. We good. We good. Whatever the last one you did was, I have it. Sweet. Oh, that one sounds like crap because it's like... Trigger warning. You're right. <laughs> it's not that bad. All right. I don't mind it. You're good. So she's the gossip of the town. Everyone would see the farmhands come and go at an alarming rate and have to hear Belle complain about how they always left her high and dry and that she was left to tend her farm alone. She would be seen wearing their hats and boots and the coats of her victims, and though she was the talk of the town, and everyone was a little bit suspicious of her, she was undeterred. This is also the tragic life of another farmhand that Belle wished to become her husband, Andrew, and I'm sorry, Helgelian. I, I did look up how to pronounce it, but I've since forgotten. It's been a long day. Hmm. I'm not sure. But this man, I do believe, would fall in love with her 16-year-old daughter, Jenny. They would meet in secret and had plans to, fee- to flee Belle and her pig farm. Until, that is, one morning, Andrew would wake to find a letter from Jenny that she had wished to go to university instead of be married to him and left for California. Of course, this devastated Andrew, so he fled Belle's lustful advances. But actually, she killed him too. Yeah, she was straight up murdering these men for their money. She even killed her daughter to evade the younger's competition. She's a soulless gold-digging cunt. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, the movie's called The Farm. Yeah, because it's another pig farm serial killer. This actually might be a different one. It's called The Farm, America's Most Prolific, which we already covered. Um, if you haven't listened to our very first episode about Aline Warnos, this seems to be a false claim because as far as I remember, Aileen Warnos was the f- for most prolific. This is Norway's most prolific this serial, one female serial killer. America. Well, I mean, it was in America, but she's Norwegian. Norwegian. She's a Norwegian immigrant. So that's where we're going to make the distinction. Okay. But it's new this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Look how fun. We have a homework assignment. Andrew's brother would become suspicious of his last correspondence with Andrew not believing that he would just run off and not they were close. Yeah. You know. So he's like he wouldn't he wouldn't just run off in the middle of the night and not say anything to me. So like peace out, bro. So he contacted Bell and said that he wanted to have, you know, come and have a conversation with her, go through his brother's things to see if there was any clue as to why yeah. he was so quiet. He was missing you know? his little brother. Yeah. Bell sensing that the jig was up, she concocted an evil plan. She would ask her lover Ray Lamphere, who was aware of her murder scheme and was later arrested while wearing items of some of her victims, Moe's coat and Gerholt's watch. Belle would ask Ray to burn the house down with her children inside, but before she could do but before he could do that, she would need to insure their lives and possessions. In nineteen oh eight, Belle would run to her insurance broker and demand that he insure her farm because she felt that her lover and farmhand, Ray, was going to harm her and her family somehow possibly burning the house down. She got her way just in time for her horrid premonition to come true. The house did burn down, revealing the headless body of a middle-aged woman and three children. Oh, my God. Dude. This is terrible. Dude. It's, like... Now, don't get me wrong. All of these murders are absolutely horrendous, unnecessary, and fucking tragic. But can you imagine using your kids as a fucking ATM card? For 20 years, you're just, oh, I'm going to take out a life insurance policy and then poison this infant. Yep. Like. <clears throat> Gross human. For money. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you know what? I'll give her, I'll give her the title of prolific serial killer because, like, kids. Yeah. I mean, Eileen was killing. Adults. Adult but men. she was very, very damaged. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm sure Belle here, she she did grow up, you know, in a time of, you know, sparseness. Yeah. Diffi- yeah. Like, I, but there's not much on her early life. Can't attest to it. Anyway, so she kills her children. Yep. And someone else for the headless body, I'm assuming. Oh. Yeah, that's You're what... very perceptive, dear sister. That was my first... <laughs> oh my goodness! Is that yeah? She killed her kids, but she also killed someone to frame herself, which is was even. It was more. a headless body. The head was never discovered, and upon further investigation, the authorities discovered partial remains of eleven other people. So at least eleven, and those were partial remains. She did have a pig farm, mind you. Yeah, and pigs. I'm not. I I did not read or hear any evidence of her having fed people to her pigs, but. But they also eat 
and ingest, and they wouldn't have had DNA testing not at that saying, time. Exactly. I'm so, not saying that she did. I'm not saying that she didn't. But there's... But there's plenty of bodies There's There's enough her. evidence to maybe assume. I would definitely make that assumption. Yeah. So 11 corpses. They found, the, yep, 11 people. Ray Lamphere was arrested for arson and murder. At first, he would die any knowledge, deny any knowledge or involvement in Bell's affairs outside of aiding her in farm work, though he would later be tricked into a signed confession. In the confession, Lamphere said that he had killed Mrs. Gunness and the children with an axe, sprinkled the bodies with kerosene, and set fire to them and the house. It gave details of the slaying and told of his part in the former murders which occurred at the Gunness farm, his task usually being the burying of the bodies in the garden. The essential fact, however, was that the murderess was not alive as a fugitive. He would later go on to recant that confession mm. and say that he did burn the house down, but he had no part in the murder of the headless woman suspected to be Belle or any of the three children or any of the previous murders of the farmhands that would come to work on her farm. Well, you're definitely not innocent, so. No, he was burying the bodies. He was knowledge- knowledgeable of the murders. the murders and was burying the bodies for her. So he was, he was culpable. He was an accomplice, but he, he denied any involvement in the murder itself. But he was still arrested, detained, and during his trial, Ray claimed that Bell killed and disposed of a number of men on her property. And as reported by the Pulp International, Ray said Bell was solely responsible for the killing and dismembering of her victims. However, he admitted to helping her dispose of the bodies. According to Ray, Bell killed the men for financial gain in the form of insurance payments or the cash and possessions they left behind after they were dead. Although he admitted to assisting Bell in her deadly scheme, Ray denied any involvement in her murder. In fact, he claimed the body found in Bell's basement could not have been her because the woman was at least six inches shorter than Bell. She was also slimmer in the waist. But they did find some of her gold teeth left behind in the ashes, which one doctor will attest that could only have fallen out of her skull due to the fire dehydrating them and the teeth falling out. Not that she could have pulled them out, had to have been the fire, but where's the head? Yeah. There's teeth, but there's no head. Are you saying she's never found? We'll get there. Okay. Ray said Bell killed her three children and a local woman and left their bodies in the basement of her home. She then allegedly disposed of the woman's head in the swamp. According to Ray, Bell convinced him to burn down the house and meet her at another location. Although he said they both planned to escape together, Bell allegedly never showed up. Nevertheless, Pulp International reports Ray's claims have never been proven, and Bell was never heard from again. Ray was ultimately acquitted of the murder charges, but found guilty of arson. One year after his conviction, one year after his conviction, Ray died of consumption while incarcerated. Bell Gunness was pronounced dead, even though the doctor performed the postmortem testified the headless body was five inches shorter and about 50 pounds lighter than Gunness. No explanation was provided for what happened to the body's head. Whether Gunness died in the fire or escaped remains uncertain, although the sheriff blamed a Chicago American reporter for inventing the escaped story. Reported sightings of Gunness in Chicago area continued long after she was declared dead. At the time the police looked into the reports of the woman suspected to be Bell, none of which led to her apprehension. In 2008, DNA tests were performed on the headless corpse in an attempt to compare DNA in the corpse against a, stamp, a sample from a letter Gunness had sent to one of her victims. But due to its age, the sample was not able to be properly tested. I would assume that. 
I mean, yeah. over a hundred years. Our DNA starts to die immediately, so even frozen and and preserved, it's gonna. At least cats do. You know how many times I've taken my cats to the fucking doctor? They tell me that shit all the time. They're like, well, we do have samples, but DNA does die over time, so we need to take more samples. Money, money, money. Actually, don't have to pay for the more samples. Oh, well. But, I mean, yeah, they were cool, but they still had to do it. That's a, I still learned that fun fact about cats, so I'm just assuming it's probably very similar to adults and humans. Not just adults, humans. Yeah, I'm no DNA expert, but I would say that's a fair assumption. After Gunness's crimes came to light, the Gunness farm became a tourist attraction. Spectators came from across the country to see the mass graves and concessions and souvenirs were sold. Moreover, the crime became acknowledged. The crime became an acknowledged part of the area's history. The LaPorte County Historical Society Museum has a permanent Bell Gunness exhibit. It's not too far away from here, so we might have to, uh, you know, take a horror trip sometime. Where it is again? Laporte, Indiana. Okay. She gets her own museum, though. Not, not a whole well, museum. Well, the historical society has an exhibit. Yeah, the glorification, but it's still like. It's still cool. I'll still, still do gonna it. Still gonna go see it. I'll still see it. I'll still enjoy it. Be like this bitch. This gold digging motherfucker. I just can't believe you killed your fucking kids. But I know exactly why she did it. She just killed her whole life. Changed Financial her name. gain. Like. Well, probably pulled her teeth. I would say so. And then. Like there is some shrinkage in fire. But a whole 50 pounds and 5 inches. Yeah. No. And like they did include the height of her head in that. They've been like. Yeah. Her head would have been approximately 8 inches. Yeah. At you know. Coupled that with whatever's left over from the body. She's still short five fucking inches. She was she was a taller lady. I think she was like five seven. Yeah. Okay. So my height. Yeah. I'm and, a tall lady. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't ever think five seven is that tall. And then I get around everybody else. And I'm like, you guys are fucking short. How's the weather up there? <laughs> but short, short, short people. Yes. And that, my dear pretties, is the short version of Lady Boop. Bluebeard of Lady Bluebeard, Belginus, Norway's most prolific female serial killer. So no one ever found her. Nope, there were sightings afterwards. People suspected that she killed concocted this whole plan. Killed her family. Killed moved. her, you know, killed her changed family her and moved on. Changed her name. Probably continued elsewhere, like very much. I'm sure she was still of, committing uh, insurance fraud somehow. Well, yeah, it makes me remind of remind me. It reminds me of. This is how you remind me of Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde, why? Just the moving around. The moving around. Oh. Yeah, no, nothing else other than the moving around. Changing the name, deleting Migrating serial killers. We'll have to cover Bonnie and Clyde. I'm down. I just don't hear her talk about a lot, and I really Mm -hmm. don't know the story. It's a, it's... An intriguing story. I mean, I know there's tons of movies, and I know there's like, yeah, of course, and they've been romanticized and glorified, and real story. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to dive in and separate math math separate myth from fiction. All right, this has been another episode of Don't You Know. Oh, you don't have a, a sip of stupidity you want to share? I didn't even fucking prepare one. Um, 
Research on the pod. Research. Research While she's researching, pod. I'm going to give a short recap of her victims. Mad Sorensen, her first husband. Peter Gunnis, her second husband. Three infants that she had fostered. Her adopted daughter, daughter Jenny Olson. Her three children, Myrtle, 11, Lucy, 9, and Philip, 5. John Moe, Andrew Heglelian, Henry Gerhold, and 11 unidentified men. For a more in-depth look into this case, I highly suggest the Serial Killer podcast hosted by uh, Thomas Wyborg Thun. I really like that. It's a three-part episode, and he really dives into Lady Bluebeard. We'll be posting some of the newspaper clippings, a couple of crime scene photos, and a family portrait of um, Belle and her three children. Where will we be posting them, Haley? I don't know. You control the Instagram. That was a plug for the social media. Oh, okay. (laughs) You can reach us on Instagram at don'tyouknowpod. We also have a website where you can find a short synopsis and an uploaded MPV, an audio version. This is an audio version. We have a a website, don'tyouknowpod.com. What else do we have? You can send us an email at don'tyouknowpod.com at outlook.com at .com. I just lost all my fucking brain cells. You can also email us at don'tyouknowpod at outlook.com. We have a TikTok, but we don't post anything yet. That's at, at don'tyouknowpod. What else do we have? Instagram. I said Instagram. I know you did. I was just going to go through them in my head. Oh. God, fucking funny just popping up. Jesus. Send in any case suggestions or personal stories that you just want to share. Okay. So we're going to start doing this thing at the end of some episodes called Sip of Stupidity. And it is whatever I can conjure up that I think is funny. And that might be random ass shit. And if you don't like it, skip it. (laughs) So that is the intro to Sip of Stupidity. Tits of stupidity. (laughs) Sips with an S. Or tits, because boobs are great, too. Boobs are great. So today, on my sip of stupidity, (laughs) is weird facts, because that's what I could find. I want to find some funny news stories and read some articles, but every time I looked up Funny News America, it came up with NPR shit, and it irritated me. Um, So our first weird fact, weird, this is, I'm on... Weareteachers.com. Okay, so there's my source. Source. Uh, we're listening, or we're gonna read some of our favorite weird fun facts. So number one is Australia is wider than the moon. Yes, it is. The moon sits about two thousand one hundred and thirteen miles in diameter, while Australia's diameter from east to west is almost two thousand four hundred and eighty-five miles. Fun fact number two. Headphones can increase the bacteria in your ears. Wearing headphones for just an hour could increase bacteria in your ears 
by 700 times. Now I'm fucked because I wear headphones all day at work. I was going to say, my earbud is constantly in. So, ew, as the website says. We'll just do a couple of these. Number three, Scotland chooses the unicorn as its national animal. Mm-hmm. How fanciful. I mean, that really explains itself. I don't think I need to read the synopsis for that. Number four, avocados are not vegetables. They're fruit, right? Avocados are fruits. Avocados are fruit because they are single-seeded berries. Fun fact number five. The Eiffel Tower gets taller in the summer. Mm-hmm. The heat expands. Yep. The iron heat up. That when the iron heats up, the tower can be up to six inches taller due to thermal expansion. We'll just do ten fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> and this one kind of relates. Human teeth are the only part of the body that can't heal themselves. Yeah, once they start going down, they're going down. Teeth are not made of live tissue and are coated in enamel, which can spontaneously, which can't spontaneously regenerate. Number seven, Switzerland prohibits the ownership of just one guinea pig. Yeah, they'll be they can die of loneliness. Since guinea pigs are such social creatures, one guinea pig would get lonely. So having just one is considered animal abuse in Switzerland. Period. Switzerland. I had guinea pigs. I didn't know that. Yeah. Number eight. Tigers have striped skin. Mm-hmm. It's not just fur. Number nine. A shrimp heart is in its head. Mm, gnarly. If that wasn't interesting enough, according to weareteachers.com, due to the nature of their open sick circulatory system, shrimps have no arteries, and their organs just float around in, in blood. Shrimps? Mm-hmm. Mm. They're tasty. And our fun fact number 10, which is cute and innocent, is an 11-year-old accidentally invented ice pops. In, 19, cool. in 1905, young Frank Epperstein left Water and soda powder outside overnight with a wooden stirrer in, in a cup. When he discovered the mixture had froze, the Epsicle was born. I love that name, the Epsicle. I'll spell it for you. I'm not saying it wrong. E-P-S-I-C-L-E. Epsicle. That is adorable. Those were my sips of stupidity for the day. I'm sure I'll edit out a lot of my jumble jamble. <laughs> That's okay. So it'll go down to the right uh, amount of time. <laughs> but this has been another episode of Don't You Know. My name is Autumn. And I'm Haley. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias. Instagram. Um, we're not on Facebook. Not on Twitter. TikToks. Whatever Haley covered. Send us an email. Whatever Haley covered. And don't forget to lock your doors. Nair, 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 nair.